Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Compliance Clarified, a podcast for risk, compliance, and counter-financial crime professionals. My name is Nathan Lynch, and I'm the Asia-Pacific Manager of Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence, based here in sunny Australia. And today, I'm happy to be joined by Niall Coburn, our Asia-Pacific regulatory expert, who's going to discuss the top trends for the year ahead. Now, if there's one certainty for compliance professionals in this year ahead, it's that they need to be ready for the unexpected. Cyber risk, the war in Ukraine, the post-pandemic economic recovery, and emerging market economic crises are all setting the stage for a volatile and challenging year ahead. Geopolitical tensions have risen to a level not seen since the Cold War, and this is affecting the worldwide economy amid the escalation of sanctions and other tools of economic warfare. Cyber attacks on corporate data are rising, and these are often linked to state-based actors. Some of the recent hacks in the banking, telecoms, insurance and healthcare sectors have affected millions of customers and caused untold damage to the organisations and their brands that are involved. Now, at the same time, we're seeing new financial crime typologies that have taken advantage of the rapid pivot to non-face-to-face banking and financial services, which took place, of course, during the two-year COVID crisis. And on top of that, we have environmental, social and governance, or ESG, and the foreseeability of risk in business operations that means it will be another focus area for this year as regulators increase their scrutiny of boards and senior management. Firms are on notice, effectively, that greenwashing is high on regional regulators' radars. Now, in this climate, there's never been a better time to take advantage of the knowledge base at Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence, where industry experts offer their insights into navigating this incredibly challenging risk and compliance landscape. So on that note, I would like to bring in our Asia-Pacific regulatory expert, Niall Coburn. Niall, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much indeed, Nathan, and great to be here. And thank you for a great introduction. Excuse my voice, but I've got a bit of a rusty one at the moment. It gives you extra gravitas, Niall. Uh, Thank you. Um, I would just like to say, just to start off, um, all I'm really going to do is take the audience through the 10 considerations for compliance officers in the Asia-Pacific, which really applies to all compliance professionals and financial service firms and uh, regulators in Asia, which is going to start off as a very interesting year, as we have seen already, and with the overflow of you know cyber attacks and um, the wash-up of cryptocurrencies and all those issues are still emerging. But but let me go through the nitty-gritty of um, some issues that our audience may wish to consider for their firms and issues that may be from left fields. So, so the first thing is that what we discovered last year, even if you've got the best um, cyber resilience approach in your firm or you think you have, it may not be enough. As we have seen in corporate Australia, Um, We have had data attacks on um, millions of customers as regulators and law enforcement agencies are still searching for answers. 
how to combat these issues and, and when they emerge in the future as well. The only thing that CEOs and firms can do is really um, be on their game and put cyber resilience at the top of their list in trying to ensure that they protect the most vulnerable assets within their organisations. It may be also um, appropriate, which I'm sure is occurring, to review and understand what IT weaknesses may be within your firm. Nothing is impervious these days. And so it's important to have an approach where you're not waiting for an attack to happen, but rather that you are prepared if an attack does happen. The next issue I see is the new and emerging financial crime typologies which have emerged in this post-pandemic world in Asia. And in particular, regarding the operations of um, proliferation financing. So um, what we have seen and, and, and known for some times is that there has been acute money laundering um, to a high extent in, in Asia, in both China, Australia, some parts of Singapore, uh, Malaysia. But what has been laid bare by the recent um, Royal Commissions and other investigations in Australia is that these money laundering is in uh, the billions of dollars and it's not, you know, a small net here and there. All casinos in Australia uh, have got their licences under review and are required to ensure that they have increased their compliance in these areas. But what's important is that other firms, not only in Asia but in England, uh, in in the EU, in the States, can learn from our experience that um, you have to be, you have to address, you know, different forms of um, uh, money laundering as it presents. Um, And as we can see that there has been an increase in um, different types of proliferation where uh, um, governments, you know, Russia, North Korea, bad actors, if you like, um, are using this money laundering loopholes to be involved in weapon proliferation. And that's something that should not be ignored. So what we're seeing here is that weaknesses in different jurisdictions allow the bad actors to um, use those loopholes and those financial arrangements to then proliferate um, in uh, nuclear weapons and arms trading um, internationally. So it's about being able for governments to connect the dots and really um, for jurisdictions to bed down their own weaknesses. Um, So the next issue is something that has been on the radar, but nothing much has been done about it in terms of regulation, and that is the environment, social and governance, so ESG, where we see foreseeable business risks um, in operation. Um, And I believe that um, regulators are taking a firm view of the tasks that um, the directors and senior management have responsibilities in this area and that, for example, greenwashing 
is is on the regional regulators um, Richter scale, and there's all already been fines handed out in Hong Kong, Singapore, and Australia. So this is something um, where you know firms are misleading uh, investors in relation to um, the the green energy approach and saying that all their investment goes in one area um, and not really explaining the whole issues about where the investment um, is going and uh, the weaknesses in their um, green energy uh, operations. So this is one you know, to look out for in, in the future. We, we, we will also see this year that regulators are not the untamed tigers that they were in in the past and we are seeing a lot more um court uh litigation or civil uh litigation for millions of dollars in penalties for compliance so so what this means is that regulators are not pursuing large complex criminal cases they are instead pursuing civil cases against financial institutions where there are clear breaches of penalties for non-disclosure, misleading customers, or when mistakes are made internally about not handing money back to customers, then they are fined. Um, And basically, they are being fined for being, um, I would call it uh, delayed uh, dishonesty. So, So this will be an increased approach from regulators in the future because it's an easy win for them and they can put on a team of five individuals and um, investigators and lawyers and get a result for say 10 to 20 million US in a fine. Um, So as I've indicated, we're going to see more of this. The next point I'd like to make is we all know about cryptocurrencies and the FTX and what's happened in the States and also around the world and also the contagion from the fallout. But I still say this to you, that there has been no real regulation or no cards on the table from uh, regulators how they are going to fix these these issues of allowing this crypto industry to to grow to such an unregulated and cowboy stage. And I think what, what will happen is that the cryptos will be brought into a very strict regulatory regime, just as managed our investment schemes are and other types of investments. This will really change or shake up the market in this area. And what I'm seeing is an, a very interesting approach you know, from governments in Singapore and Australia and uh, Malaysia in, in that they are still quite supportive of the crypto market, but they are going to change it and make a more safer approach, make compliance and corporate governance a must in this area. And also not to forget that central bank digital currencies are going to be the big winners out of the crypto wash-up because all the central banks, most central banks in the world are pursuing digital currencies. And it's one to note that this will revolutionize society much like cryptos have you know so that's one really to look at other issues um, 
getting back, you know, to basics is management accountability. It's still a very important issue. Um, we are seeing, you know, in Australia where the whole one whole casino board, like Star Casino, all the directors will have been sued by ASIC um, for breach of our director's duties. And so what directors need to understand is that they have a clear understanding of what their operational risks are in the business and that operational risks can change from year to year. And that's a good point to bring um, environmental and social governance back into the picture where um, this is an emerging point. So firms really need to understand how um, this may play on other operational risks like this, um, as, as well as anti-money laundering and data protection, for example, um, will play more of an important part in boardroom uh, discussions um, this year. Um, another important threat to the financial sector is actually um, finfluences. And we're seeing all over the world, from England or the EU, um, the UK to Asia, um, where finfluences, that's those um, individuals who give advice over the social media, over the internet, free advice often to attract followers in this area. And they often give, you know, um, advice which is on the fringe or, and they are not licensed. And this runs afoul of the law. As you can see that there is a lot of interest where um, uh, investors or um, individuals looking to assess the uh, economy are turning to Finfluencers for uh, advice um, or, or, or insight. And of course, it's, it's, it's all gift, but no responsibility. Um, and so um, regulators are now saying that these, this sort of advice um, must be licensed. Um, um, but it also begs the question that if people are, are actually listening to it and acting on this advice, that there's, there's no insurance. Um, and it means that, you know, you, you must do your own due diligence. So there's no comeback. And, and this is the whole thing. It's all, it's all on license. It's all hype. Um, and it's all um, great care, but no responsibility. Um, so just watch that space. Um, the other fluid dynamic issue, of course, you know, we should all be aware about is, you know, s sanctions. Um, it has been a very large burden for firms in Asia, compliance firms in uh, particular, to um, constantly review the sanctions issues, um, you know, Russian oligarchs, um, Russian businesses, um, you know, what's their connections, um, very opaque, opaque glass from where they do business uh, in Asia. Um, and this is a, an important area for large financial institutions because um, we know that the State Department and uh, the Treasury in the US are still looking at how firms connected to the US do and are um, employing um, sanction requirements. And I also say this, and it's not—it's no criticism, but there is still a troubling lack of clarity for firms about 
how to apply the wide sanctions guidance against Russian entities and, and, and individuals. Um, so although it's not easy for firms, we all need to remain diligent and uh, vigilant in making sure that you provide sufficient evidence of compliance in this area. Because even three years from now, the US Treasury Department and the US uh, regulators will review issues. The other issues I want to mention are more on the HR line, but should not be underestimated. You know, in the last few years that firms in in every sector, not only the financial sector, uh, had a run on sexual harassment cases and equal opportunity issues, which can, you know, divert resources and affect our reputation of individuals and firms alike. And and these um, issues should not be underestimated in any frame and also affect the culture of of an organisation. So it's important that firms ensure that they have their diversity and equity and inclusion policies in place to make sure that they comply with the domestic and international best practice. What we are seeing in Asia is a growth where um, women are going to be given much more opportunities. I mean, in in the West, in in the UK, we take it for granted. But in Asia, um, we we are seeing that um, women will play a larger role in um, responsibilities um, within organisations, and this will be a great advantage when these p- policies are fully in flight. And um, it would it will mean that um, firms will have to overcome long-established norms, and um, these g- gender-focused uh, uh, initiatives will be important human c- capital in firms as they build up e- expertise. The last point I'd like to make is to indicate that in a recent McKenzie report on workplace mental health, um, there's evidence that uh, the burnout rates in Asia are higher than the international norm. And um, one in four employees worldwide were found to be experiencing symptoms of um, burnout fatigue. And in Asia, that was one in three. Um, So this is a it's going to be an important issue on the Richter scale. Um, and uh, it's important that firms start you know, to grapple with this issue and understand what are the factors which contribute um, to poor mental health. And one of the concerns which was raised in the report is um, toxic work practices can affect the mental health of employees. So, um, Senior management need, you know, to have their eye on this um, because who's going to be productive in a toxic work environment? So these are issues which will affect uh, the bottom line. And, you know, let's not lose sight of the fact that everyone is human and we come to work and we want to enjoy where we work and we want to value add. Um, So um, all these issues are very important to ensuring the culture of the firm and the reputation going forward. Thank you, Noel. That's a great overview. So we do clearly have a challenging year ahead. and There's a lot of issues that are going to be demanding the attention of risk and compliance teams and HR and all of these 
divisions of businesses that work together for the benefit of the organization. So just uh, as an overview and a closing point, what do you see as some of the key qualities that compliance teams will need to exhibit if they want to perform well and protect their organizations in this incredibly dynamic environment? I think the most important issues for compliance teams is to understand what are the real threats and not to waste time on on issues which which aren't going to affect the organization but where what, what we have seen in the past is where large problems are allowed to fester um, that is where the real epicenter of um, reputational damage can occur and the other thing is you know make sure that there's always work in compliance but find a, an appropriate balance in your life of work, play and sport and your family, of course. But also don't be reluctant, you know, to tell senior management um, the concerns you have, you know, in your compliance areas and escalate important issues um, and speak up, you know, um, where serious issues have come to your attention and remain fluid and ready for anything left field. That's how I see this year. Niall, thanks for sharing with us your views and insights into this incredibly complex issue. And I know our readers look forward to your top 10 every year. So thanks so much for the thought and insight you've put into it. Now, if our listeners would like to learn more about this topic, please don't forget to check out Niall's top 10 considerations for compliance officers in the Asia Pacific region in 2023 which is live now on Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Niall, thanks so much for your thoughts today and sharing your insights with us. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And until next time, stay compliant. Goodbye. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.